If Bible's got you tied in knots, if you're burdened with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir. It's Heretic Happy Hour. Yes, it's time for the Heretic Happy Hour live podcast. Thank you all for being here. Give us a big shout of applause. Come on. Woo! Yeah. My gosh, we are doing our first ever fifth live yes, podcast. It's the right? first it's time, first we've time done we have ever done a fifth live podcast. So you guys get to be here for this history-making event. Thank you all for being a part of the Heretic Happy Hour live podcast. Um, I guess we should introduce ourselves quickly, right? But first, okay. I should I should warn you, we are in a sex series. We're doing a series on sex. Hey, now. So... Uh, so uh, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, you might want to have the kitties uh, leave the room and go play with blocks or something because we're going to talk about some pretty adult subjects. Not that, like you were saying, not that anyone should probably be listening with their children anyway, but, you know, we well, just have to say that. Anyway, welcome to the podcast. My name is Keith Giles. I'm the author of uh, Jesus Unbound, Liberating the Word of God from the Bible and a few other books with Choir Publishing. And I'm um, one of the three co-hosts here on the Heretic Happy Hour podcast, uh, Matt and Jamal. Introduce yourselves. Hi, friends. My name is Jamal. I'm the author, author of Free to Love and a soon-to-be upcoming book called Living for a Living, which is going to be released on April 15th. Imagine that. It's coming out. So, uh, is it, yeah. Was there something special about that date, April uh, 15th? It, well, the, a lot of people uh, know April 15th now because that's when the book's coming out. Yes, yes. I, I've heard that. I've heard. I've heard it's... it's yes. Yeah. You're a so, very confident man. Yes, yes, uh-huh. yes. So... I'm it does coincide. Was, there's something. I thought there was some other day, maybe a birthday or something. Yeah. Some, oh, anyway. it was tax day. Yes. Oh, yes. It's a good reminder. Like if you don't want to work for the man, you need to, you need to read living for a living. <laughs> so anyway, so it's good to be here. Welcome. Thank you guys for coming out. Yeah. Great pitch. <laughs> and I'm Matt DeStefano, um, the third host. And yeah, I have a book. I have a couple of books out and they're over there. Yeah, they're over there. Yeah. And I put them on top and in front. I noticed so you that did that. Yours are all on top. I noticed. Yeah. I, it was an accident. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Excited to be here for our first ever Fifth Life show. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I, we have to also say a huge, huge, huge thank you huge. to Sidecar Donuts and especially to uh, Jason Cleaver right there in the back. Raise your hand. For letting Jason! Us and we want to thank them also for making the best freaking donuts in the world. And if you haven't had any, they're right there in the back. There may be some. They're probably gone by now. But thank you so much. And uh, they, they've let us host here a couple of times. It's like our third time back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you guys so much. And I want to also say that this episode of the Heritage Cafe Hour podcast is sponsored by the Hope Center, a community resource center serving one of Alabama's poorest communities by providing a neighborhood market where neighbors can shop for food at no cost in an atmosphere of love and respect. Please visit their website at servealabama.org for more information and to make a generous donation. Thank you. Yeah, do that. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, your turn. My turn. I, um, I want to make an announcement. Actually, this is, this is fairly known right now, but um, I don't know if you guys know this, but most podcasts, there's a lot of podcasts out there, but only this podcast has a hotline. Okay. That we know. That we know. We Actually, Michelle's one? here. Michelle's going to be starting a new podcast with Danielle called Bookish that's coming up pretty soon and they don't have a hotline. Um, yeah. I'm just we saying. Have, I just, we noticed. We noticed. <laughs> but that. we do have, we have a hotline just saying and the number, 
<laughs> don't do that. No, please. The, the phone number to our hotline is 240-343-7379. We actually can, you know, 24 hours a day, you can text. People like to text these days. So you can text uh, your questions, comments, disagreements. There are, you know what, guys? There are times that people listen to this podcast and disagree with us. I don't know. So believe it or not, Thank you. I know it's shocking. It just but, means they're wrong. Yeah, it just means you're wrong. But yeah. you can text your wrong comments in to the hotline at any point. We uh, love you can you leave anyway. a voicemail, but I'll give you the number. It's 240-343-7379. Or if you have a rotary phone, which some do, uh, that's you can do 240-343-HERESY. Yes. So, yes. Um, so we have a voicemail. Do, do we not? You said that we could come to you if we had any questions. Where's the clitoris? On a website, it said at the crest of the labia. Oh. <laughs> well played, sir. Do we have any comments on that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well did, done. Did, did, did a listener actually play that clip from the office? Did someone just do it? Do it? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's good. The public school system has failed us. Right? Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, okay, we have, we have a text. Do we have another voicemail or a text? We have a text. Okay. Okay. This is from a listener. I think we think we know who this listener is. I think is. I know who he okay. is. Here's here's a, here's a question. Um, what are y'all's thoughts on BDSM and other kinks? It's obvious who that is. Yes, it's obvious. It's obvious who it is. We won't we won't name names. Do you guys have thoughts? I am. I don't have a lot of thoughts on that. No. <laughs> what are you? No thoughts? Or are you just hiding something? Um, I don't think of it very much at all. Um, no, uh, should we, are we doing a podcast on this down the road? Are we? Well, we are. We are now. Yeah, we Our should. producer says no, but yeah. Well, no, I don't really have any other thoughts about it. Sorry. If that's if that's your thing, I mean, I, it's not mine. I don't. I don't. Know. I mean, just be. But if that's for you, go for it. Um, it's not in the Bible. I don't think I've seen it in the Bible. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think I would. Um, I'm not sure what the like. Oh, that's right. Like I don't have a lot of thoughts. I wonder if if what the call or the the listener is asking is how do we feel about it? Like, do we feel like it's appropriate or not appropriate? Or is that, mm. I wonder. Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't care. I mean, it's, I don't think about it, so I don't really have a feeling about it. <laughs> right. Yeah, actually, I don't, I don't think I've ever really thought about it. Yeah. BDSM and other kinks, I have not really thought about Should we take a poll of the audience? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, just, let's not do that. Let's not go there. I don't, I don't know. I really don't <laughs> Michelle care. wants to. <laughs> I don't have She's just trying to stir shit up. Should we get on to the next one? Let's yeah, there's another one. There's another text. Okay. A little bit longer. Who, somebody want to read this? Jamal, you do. Okay. Um, okay, this is from a listener, which we think we know who this oh, is. Oh, I know who this um, is. I do know who this is. <laughs> Just to clarify for the sex series, here are the evangelical premarital sex rules. <laughs> There's six of them. There's Num six rules. Number one, all sex is okay except for vaginal. You can still call yourself a virgin. <laughs> number two... <laughs> I can't even read this. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you I'm, can. Glad, I'm glad you're reading Be this. Be strong. Yeah. Plain just the tip does not count for intercourse. <laughs> <laughs> number three. Where's Barrett? He's okay, not here. Number three. Sticking it in once also doesn't count. Number four. If you're not a virgin anymore, all is lost. Aww. 
And <laughs> number five, Ouch. should you win the abstinence game? Um, lifelong bragging rights. <laughs> and number six, missionary is a vocation, not a position. <laughs> I feel like those were just comments. They're just com- that's not a question. That's just comments. No. That's not a question. He just that's wants just for okay. information. He just wants to get us to think. That's thank all, you, listener. Thank you, listener, thank for you. those thank you, uh, comments. I mean, thank you, listener. We appreciate it. For that. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and with that, I guess that brings us to our heretic of the week. What a perfect segue. <laughs> it's the heretic of the week. So we have a live heretic. It's uh, Mike Machuga right here. He's live in person. So come on. And give him a hand, please. And Mike, I'm excited to have him here because he's my best friend. And we wrote a book on Whippenstock, not choir. Thank you. I was I was waiting for that. Um, So we're super excited. It's called A Journey with Two Mystics. And you can go to Whippenstock.com, not choir.com to get it. Right, right. You're on your game tonight, my friend. So, yes, welcome, Mike, to the show. And um, thank you. As you know, I know you listen to the show sometimes, at least. Quite you know, bit. yeah, you know, our first question is, why are you a heretic? Well, I mean, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an apostate, not a heretic. I, I feel <laughs> like we've been friends for years and yet you haven't been listening to me. So I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, wow. Hello. Well, no, that's my fault because I wrote a book with you and you are. I don't want to say you're not a Christian, but you probably wouldn't necessarily identify yourself a Christian first. No, I mean, I would classify myself as a human. You know, oh, that's you know, good. Right? Yeah, aren't we all? That's good. So, yeah. But that's good. <laughs> that is good. Were you? Were you ever? Uh, would you? Is there a time in your past that you would have classified yourself as a Christian, and you changed that, or? Yeah, like right. Until <laughs> I was twenty-seven years old, I would classify myself as a Christian. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Sure. Yeah. And then, um, did something happen, or? Well, I'm assuming something had to happen. <laughs> it was kind of a, like a slow build. Like I was never, I was never comfortable with the with the concept of um, eternal conscious torment. And then uh, Rob Bell's book came out, mm-hmm. and that kind of changed everything. Like before, I had yeah, I was waiting for the heresy button on that one. Okay. Great. <laughs> Before that, I didn't know that there was any other option but eternal conscious torment. And then, um, yeah, from there, I uh, I read Thomas Talbot's uh, Inescapable Love of God, and that kind of mm. that settled the issue for me intellectually. And um, then I just kind of, yeah, my life kind of went in a different direction after that. Mm-hmm. Would you say it was? Because um, a lot of us go through a deconstruction and some of us go through it intellectually first and some have experiences, traumatic experiences, um, s- suffering, loss that sort of uh, exacerbates the unraveling of someone's faith. W- was it uh, intellectually for you first or was it sort of like a blend of experience and intellectual that led to your deconstruction? It was really all intellectual for me yeah um yeah like i i grew up um in the house of a philosopher so i I never had 
I mean, questions were always okay. You know, reasoned arguments were, they should be accepted. Like you should, it's okay to believe them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, it was, hell was totally an intellectual thing that I had to overcome. I mean, I, I had no uh, emotional attachments to it or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't think I, when I was growing up, I, I know some people, they, they kind of like being on, on the inside. Um, mm. But I, I don't know. I, I never really felt that. I just, it was in the Bible, so I believed it. But I didn't like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most people don't. <laughs> Even the people who still believe in hell, like, I mean, that's, that's some of their arguments. It's like, I don't like this, but yeah, it's I was in, watching it's in the Bible. So. Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember those crazy guys in the South that we were on that we did that, that you made me watch that I made you watch and yes. we, we were trolling them and then they, ban okay, anyway, those guys. So they, <laughs> they're, they're these like, and they're total reform guys and they're totally into the hell thing. And what was, what was fascinating was, uh, people call him and ask them questions and, um, kind of like this, but on YouTube. And, um, <laughs> someone asked them a question. If you could, if there was something you could change about the Bible or something you could change about Christianity, something you don't like about it, what would you change in that? That one guy, the main guy said, hell, even though he totally preaches it and believes it, but he at least admitted that he's not comfortable with it. And he doesn't like it. So he knows there's something wrong with it. Like it's that that view paints the character of God in such a way that it makes God it, 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 um, well, what's even, there's, there's, um, isn't it Origen or some of the, one of the church fathers who said something about how to believe that God would torture his children forever is to basically to, to say things of God that you wouldn't believe about the most cruel person, right? And, and so even that's, and that's from the beginning in early Christianity that's, we've known that this has been a problem. Mm -hmm. And yet people are still holding on to it. Even those who do believe it still, hold on to it knowing that it is still kind of is a problematic thing. It makes God not look very loving. Right. Um, so it, for you, you talked about how you rejected hell and, and this, so Rob Bell's book helped you. Um, but at this point you don't, you say you wouldn't identify yourself as a Christian. So how do you, it seems like there's still a, a journey to get from rejecting eternal torment mm -hmm. to say, okay, I read Rob Bell's book. Fine. But was there anything else that continued to lead you sort of outside of uh, yeah. the faith? Yeah. So, you know, after um, my intellect was satisfied, I, I felt safe. Like I felt like I could go, you know, explore other options. So, I mean, I just wanted to see what Eastern religions had to say. Um, I came across Alan Watts. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm obviously kind of enamored with Buddhism. So, you know, if I had to choose right now, Christian or Buddhist, I don't... But really, I mean, again, I would just like to call myself a human. Um, I think that Buddhism has very legitimate ways of liberating you, um, you know, psychologically, mainly. Um, but... Yeah, so that, that's why I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't call my, label myself a Christian. Yeah. Um, can you, do you mind talking a little bit about, like, what are some of those specific things that you feel like that you get from Buddhism that are, that's positive in your life mm -hmm. that you feel like are especially important that you didn't find in Christianity or that you feel like isn't 
reflected in Christianity? I mean, I think Buddhism is just more explicitly practical. I mean, through through meditation, you uh, kind of learn that <clears throat> all there is is the eternal now. That's the only place that you'll ever live. And while Christianity does talk about that, yeah. you know, the, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's not, it, it just, it's just slightly different language that mm-hmm. um, resonated with me. Yeah, and I, I want to ask you about that. Um, being somebody who grew up in the church, grew up reading the Bible, but now you have studied and are reading Eastern philosophy, where do you see the matches? Like, what do you, like, do you, or would you see, would you say that Jesus uh, advocates principles that fall very much in line with yeah. Eastern religious ideas, Buddhist ideas. Would you say that Jesus fits right in with that? Yeah, I don't. I honestly don't see a whole lot of conflict. I mean, I could see. I mean, both the Buddha and Jesus talking about trying to get rid of the ego, and um, I could right. I mean, I could see Christianity affirming that. Yeah, the ego is probably the source of most sin. Mm-hmm. And probably be good to get rid of it. <laughs> so, would you say the ego is what maybe Paul would refer to as the flesh? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I have no problem with that. <laughs> yeah. Are I you think, just going along with whatever Paul says, or do you honestly think that? <laughs> no, this is a problem. This is a this is a part why I think you're a heretic, because you said Jamal is your favorite host of the show, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it hurt. Mike. I, I got I, there's a red flag right there. <laughs> <laughs> I felt betrayed. <laughs> yeah. So, should we uh, should we announce maybe what you have going on in the future that you're excited about? Because it's involving me. Even though even though you betrayed me by picking Jamal, I still consider you a friend. And so, right. That's I very mean, Christ-like of you, man. I think that's <laughs> uh, yes. I'm very forgiving and understanding. I've if renounced my ego. Right. So, right. We're uh, working on. Uh, two things. Uh, well, we've been wor- working on the first thing for a little bit now. Um, we're kind of doing a follow-up to our uh, uh, journey with two mystics. Um, it's like a, again, be like a four-book series thing that we're planning on. Yeah. Um, and, and it's trying to trying to be more conversational, whereas the when our our book was letters, this is more you know back and forth. Uh, yeah, we've so yeah. What we're doing is basically trying. We've been we've been sitting around like a campfire, a bonfire for like four years, and talking about philosophy and theology. And so, like all the shit that I do and publish is like half half. <laughs> I didn't know we were still doing that. You, you like that, don't you? We haven't had that meeting yet. We're supposed oh, to have a yeah, meeting. Yeah, we're supposed to have a board meeting. But like like half the ideas, at least, are due to you know talking with Mike around a bonfire for like four years. Um, so we're basically essentially trying to distill that down to a conversation in book form. So that'll be out in 2020. So don't hold your breath. It's going to be a while. But <laughs> What's the title? Uh, the Bonfire Sessions. Mm. Yeah. Cool. And then to piggyback off that, do you want to announce the next thing? We're going to have to steal um, Choir's second, pop, uh, second podcast, Thunder. Sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, so, I mean, we're always trying to make things more conversational, more real. So... We're trying to put together a, a podcast where we're pretty much just, you know, miking our bonfire sessions, try to keep it as raw and um, yeah. unpolished as possible. And Choir's going to be producing that. 
But before you check out our podcast, I do have to give one shout out to Bookish, which will be Squire's second podcast. That <laughs> Thank you, Ralph. Do they and have then, a hotline, though? Dude, no, they don't they have don't. a hotline, and we won't either, so don't get a hold of us. <laughs> yeah, that'll be out in June, I think. June or July, sometime in the summer. So we'll be doing that. Which I'm stu- super stoked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's been like four years in the making. Like, why not do a fucking podcast? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, can I ask one last question here? Yeah, go for it. Um, so, so, you know, Matt thinks very highly of you and is enjoys a... He really enjoys his relationship with you. What if you could like, what's the greatest thing? What's the one thing about Matt that you, you just absolutely adore? I mean, the one thing, I don't know. I feel like he's just a better version of me. Really like you're taller. smaller. (laughs) I have my height going for me. That's that's it. It's it's beautiful. That's like oneness. And you know, yeah, I feel like I've been, um, kind of grabbing a hold of your coattails like i i really appreciate you know i I admire you know your drive and you just you get stuff done well god bless you i agree with you on that (laughs) even if you picked jamal as your favorite (laughs) yeah well thanks man appreciate it thank you guys yeah appreciate it you can go find your seat now give him a hand everybody Oh, yeah, we have some announcements. So two quick announcements. Uh, we have a website that you can go to, and you know I would recommend bookmarking it so you don't have to remember it, but uh, it's heretichappyhour.com, and we have a store on there. We can listen to all, this, uh, all the episodes on there. So, yeah, that's kind of our, our homepage there. T-shirts? T-shirts. Throw pillows? Have, throw pillows. Throw if you want to decorate your home with the most hilarious throw pillars. These pillows are the pillows. Please check them out. Yeah, please, please do. And then we have a Patreon site. So if you if you like what we do and you want to see it continue, then you can go to Patreon, which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash heretic happy hour. And you can become a monthly patron and support the show. And then we try to give you lots of goodies and free shit on there for our supporters. Love you, Ralph. Yeah. So please do that if, if you want to. Uh, content creation is not always easy, uh, but it's a lot of fun, but it can be a lot of work. And everyone who does support us, thank you. And if you want to support us, that would be awesome. Uh, you sow your seed money now and the Lord will. <laughs> he will bless you, brother. Yes. Bountiful blessings will flow. Yes. Just remember that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Right. Fantastic. Okay, so. We have guys. Um, we we're in the middle of our sex series, right? So we're we're talking about sex, and we've been talking about sex. And honestly, this can I just say this series brings out lots of deep things <laughs> within us. That's what she said. <laughs> so there'll be a lot of that tonight. I'm, I'm sorry. Goodness gracious. So so tonight we want to we want to continue our series, and we're going to be talking about. Uh, I, you know, probably this is a big deal in Christian circles, obviously. Um, but the concept of premarital sex. God bless that saxophone solo. It's so good. Yeah. Yes. So just keep letting that play. It's been playing all night.
So premarital sex, you know, obviously, um, I honestly think this is a conversation that can be good for, it doesn't matter if you're single or if you're married or uh, whatever your relationship status is. I just think it leads into some really important discoveries about the nature of sex and the purpose of sex and all of those kinds of things and even the topic of marriage. So um, let's get into that. Like what? Let's talk. Let's tackle this. What do you guys? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, premarital sex. You know, it's really funny about this sex series when we first started talking about doing it, and we were like planning it out, and we we're going to talk about you know all these different topics and everything. And I, I was honestly really excited. I was like, "This is going to be so awesome!" And it has been. I think it's been really great. We've talked about LGBTQ. We've talked about polyamory. Um, what else have we done now? What other topics have we covered so far? We talked about modesty and side modesty hugs. and purity. Oh yeah, the one with Taylor that was amazing. That was yes. awesome. Side hugs. That was the best. Taylor loves side hugs. Yes. Just so By the way, make sure give her a side hug tonight. Only please. give her side hugs, please. Okay. Anyway, um, but but and but anyway, I say all that to say that that when we we were like, let's do the live show, the live podcast, and let's do the live one on premarital sex. I was just kind of like, ah, really, man, this is going to be the live show. But okay, here we go. Let's just uh, let's just talk about it. I think. Um, it is. It is. Way to hype it. Yeah. You know, sorry about that. I'm just being honest. Okay. It was like, oh man, this is this is because it's uh, it's so in depth, like like Jamal alluded to, because um, you can't talk about premarital sex until you first talk about what is marriage. Like, because if it's premarital sex, you have to kind of also talk a little bit about defining marriage, and then it, it's also a little bit of an extra layer. Because again, as you said, you know, for Christians, this is it, is it an issue for anyone other than Christians, or it's probably mostly Christians who really care about this the most, right? Yeah, it's more of a religious thing. Right? And our culture has, because it's been shaped. I mean, I feel like the American culture was shaped by Puritan, you know, Puritan yes. ideals. So that, even the idea of, you know, when someone talks about a baby that's born outside of exactly. wedlock, yes. so it has this idea of like, oh, there's something right. There's a cultural thing. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know how, how we're even start on this thing. But so, cause it's sort of like, what do we talk a little bit about? How do we define marriage? Because here's the thing about marriage is that as Christians, if we want to ask this question about marriage and we go to the Bible, we really don't get a lot of good answers. We get a lot of confusing answers, right? Like uh, people talk about all the you're time. Not about, be, you're not reading your Bible, right? Well, I guess obviously brother, I'm not rightly brother. dividing the word. People have told me I'm not I, rightly dividing the word of truth. Apparently and that's been my biggest problem. Um, but it's kind of confusing, right? So when people talk about, you know, I believe in biblical marriage, like what does that even mean? Because the biblical marriage is all kinds of stuff, right? It's I married this hot chick and her sister, and uh, on and and, multiple, and many many you know women, and it's just it's kind of crazy. Or like my brother dies and I take his wife to be my wife, and I'm like what? Like it's really bizarre. So. If we're going to look at the Bible to sort of inform uh, how do we think about marriage, uh, well, again, let's say it this way. The truth is we really don't because uh, I, I perform weddings and, and stuff, and like the Bible doesn't give us any clue at all about what is a wedding ceremony, what should it be, who should be there, who should do what. All of that stuff is cultural, right? It's all, we, we have cobbled this together uh, over centuries to come up with this idea of what marriage is and even what is the purpose of it. Um, uh, I, we were just talking to Matt Reeves, Matthew Reeves, about this. By the way, if you don't know Matt Reeves, he's a rock star. He's going to have a book coming out very soon from Choir called uh, "Saying No to God." Right? He's awesome. And um, he he and I were talking about this about how when in the Old Testament, when it talks about in the Old Testament, if it ever sort of uh, speaks in a way that's negative about sex before marriage, we have to understand why. 
Because I think we read into it our ethics and we say, yeah, that's it's just because it's wrong to do that. But understand in that culture, in their mindset, if I was uh, if I had daughters, these daughters are property. And if I have two or three daughters, I'm thinking, well, the, the oldest daughter, she's really good looking. I can probably get a couple hundred acres of land, maybe several hundred head of cattle for her. And the second daughter, you know, she's not as good looking, but for her, I could probably get, you know, maybe 50 acres of land. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a commodity and like it was sort of by bartering and trading. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, if one of my daughters, uh, you know, is, is out in the woods with the, the son of this other guy and they're messing around and now she's not a virgin anymore, her value goes down. And my whole family is going to suffer financially because of that, right? Uh, the way women see themselves in that sort of Jewish culture, especially in the ancient culture, the, the only purpose, the only value a woman had was if she got married and if she had children, right? And again, that's not going to happen if she's, you know, had sex before marriage. So that's even where it even comes from. This is why they're even uh, saying what they're saying in, in the scriptures about it. Um, so again, we have to take that into account and understand that's, that's where some of this is coming from. Um, Anyway, I've, I've talked a lot, so you guys jump No, it's that. good. I think what yeah. you're saying is good. It's, it's important for us to remember when, whenever we talk about the Bible, uh, no matter what we're talking about, there is a context that is so far removed from our current context. Yes. It's, it's laughable. So, yeah. and, and, you know, uh, marriage would be one of them. Premarital sex would probably want to be one of them as well, too. But I guess I just, I think of marriage differently now. Like, I don't, I don't think of marriage as something you do on a certain date. That's, that to me is like the celebration of something that's real. Right. It's like the, um, it's like a picture or a painting, but the painting or the picture is not the real thing. Right. And, and to me, it's that when we decide to be committed to someone, we become more married as we go. So I think that problematizes things. If you have a drink, take a shot because I think that's our drinking game. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that I just think of marriage as completely different. So to me, like it has nothing to do with what the state has deemed right. is a marriage certificate or even the wedding that you had to, to make that somehow now legal or yeah. whatever. Like, I just think that's, that's all fine and good. It's cool to have our celebrations. We like our rituals. That's what we do as human beings. But I think, I think it just nuances the conversation. It's like, what's the difference between if, if, between someone who got who had a celebration and is having sex or someone who is committed no matter what no matter what the defining thing is and can you be committed if you don't have uh, a document notarized by the state you know i would say form. of course you yeah. can yeah and i, I mean, think that's so worth discussing yeah. and i don't know if jamal you want to weigh in on this too because like i i've I, over the years i i've changed my thoughts again on marriage as well one of the things that changed slightly changed my view of marriage or just like defining what makes someone married. Um, we were doing, we used to do a lot of work uh, with the homeless in Orange County here and, um, and I'm licensed and ordained so I can do weddings. And there was a, a couple, um, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but anyway, they needed to get married, but they couldn't do it for many reasons because of their situation being homeless. They couldn't go and get the paperwork and sign the document, and get it notarized and do it the way you're supposed to do. So they're married in the eyes of the state. And that was the first time that I kind of took a step back and, and rethought this and said, well, who cares what in the eyes of the state? I mean, 
if, it, if in the eyes of God and into one another, they have agreed together, no, we want to be committed to one another. We love one another. We're going to be together. We're going to say these vows to one another in, in, in public in front of all these people. Uh, if we do this, in our minds, we're married, and in the eyes of God, we're married. It, it doesn't really matter if the state agrees or not. And that was the first time I, I even considered that as a possibility of saying, yes, you're married, right? Yeah. You know, um, I think, the and this is, uh, you know, like anybody who grows up in the church, you know, obviously I I became a quote-unquote Christian. Uh, I didn't grow up as a Christian, but I became a Christian, quote-unquote, when I was about 18. And I remember, you know, um, hearing the messages of, okay, now that you're a Christian, you know, you have to stop having sex. And so, you know, I believe that and, and, and did that. But then, you know, in most people who grew up in the church world probably have thought about like, you're told constantly. And I've heard, you know, terminology, you know, I, I remember, you know, hearing a lot of teachings on, you know, the idea of fornication is any kind of sexual act- activity outside the covenant and marriage. And so the idea is like, you're told sex is don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And then some guy signs a paper and all of a sudden God's like, hey, go ahead. And like, just like that, flip of a switch. Now it's all good. And, you know, I, you keep hearing stories and a lot of Christians who get married have sexual problems in their marriage after they get married because deep down inside, there's still something that feels like, you know, you can't really embody it. You can't really come into it. You can't really like feel it and embrace it and celebrate it. And I, I heard so many stories and I'm, you know, in my former life, I was a pastor and I remember like hearing lots of people talk about, you know, it just feels really weird trying to have sex with my spouse. I feel like God's watching us <laughs> and it feels really weird as, as it was. Yes. And, and, and you know what the, the reason well, you know, I've never that's thought a, of that. It's a wow. deep psychological that's issue. True. And the reason for that is because you're taught, the view is, is that sex is bad, it's bad, it's bad, and now it's good because some guy signed a piece of paper. And it's really kind of, it's like fairy tale stuff. That's really not even real life. So the question, so I started, you know, obviously that leads to like, if you're a thinking person, you go, really? Is that, it's kind of strange. Like, I think there's something wrong with that picture here. So it starts to unravel. And again, here, okay, I want to, most people want to know what does the Bible say about, here's what preoccupies the minds of people in the church. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? Okay. I want to say this. I say this a lot on the podcast. The Bible doesn't say anything about anything. And the reason I say that is because the Bible, the Bible isn't real. And I mean, let me explain that. There are things, if you open the Bible in your cover, there are writings. There are different books. Yes, those things are real. They were written, you know, by about, in the Protestant Bibles, written by about 40 different authors over the course of a few thousand years. But the Bible itself, beginning with Genesis, ending in Revelation, did it never existed until the fourth century when an emperor who thought, hey, let's, let's, let's conceal power. Because the, the Roman Empire was growing with Christians and you couldn't, they couldn't beat them. They tried to kill them off. And they said, okay, we got to like somehow in, like capture their thinking. So what we're going to do is we need to consolidate thinking 
So by by then coming up with a list of approved books called a canon, this was a this was a political move. You got a select group of people who invented this book called the Bible, in which that now we're all taught to look. This is what's approved, and which is not. We're going to look at this select canon. This didn't come around until fourth century, four centuries after the time of Jesus. So. You know, we are taught from a very deep level to then say, you know, I don't think for myself. I don't trust my heart. We're taught to distrust our heart, our spirit. We don't think, we don't feel, and we just outsource everything to this book. And we forget how to be governed by our spirit and about, and we ha- we forget how to be governed by love. This is the fundamental problem. And that's why we don't know what to do with sex because mm-hmm. sex is a fundamental part of our being but we've outsourced it to a rule book that actually doesn't even really exist. Yeah. Except for... In- well, and I w- what I would say is, um, um, quick plug, I wrote a book about that, Jesus Unbound, it's over there. And, um, but it's what I, I agree with. I, w- I wouldn't agree that the Bible isn't real, but I, and th- but I do agree with you and what you mean by where you're going with that, which is the idea that the, the Bible is a problem. The fact that there, there that someone did, Constantine, put together this, you know, a Christian emperor who wasn't really uh, anything that I, I would personally call a follower of Jesus, uh, for many reasons, um, suddenly decides that he's going to call all these Christian leaders together, and all of a sudden now they have to decide these books are in and these books are out. When before that, Christians didn't feel like, you know, the Christians themselves didn't feel like, hey, we need to do this, right? So it was a political thing, and, and it, fortunately it has become, the fact that there is a Bible is a problem because it has been used ever since to be a weapon of control and fear um, uh, to control people and, and create fear for people. And so for that reason, yes, I agree, it is a huge problem. But um, having said that, there are still a whole lot of people, and many of them listening to this podcast, um, who still care about the sure. Bible. Like it still matters to them totally. that, well, but is it in the Bible or not? Right. And, um, and I think when we do, do look at the scriptures, well, here's the thing too, because it's not a uniform book. It's right. not it, there almost, on almost no topic is the Bible uniform, maybe about Christ, but anything else it's not. Um, it's of many opinions. It's many different views and voices. And so if you go and look at marriage, uh, then you're going to get a bunch of different perspectives. And Matthew Reeves, again, I'm going to drop his name again. Uh, he was also talking about how, it was that Song of Solomon, right? That's, a, that's, a not, that's, that's, that's a in the Bible. unmarried couple. It's an unmarried couple. And, and it's it, sexy. And they, and they are having sex. And if you read Song of Solomon, it's clear of, of these two things. They're not married and they are having sex. And it celebrates that. It's not a condemnation <laughs> of that, which would shock most Christians most of them never read that book. Uh, you don't hear a lot of ser- Let's do a sermon series on the Song of Solomon. No pastor has ever said that the couple in Song of Solomon is not married. I guarantee you. Right. Oh, yeah. They would argue. I'm sure they would argue with that. Big time. We're probably going to get letters just because you said that. I right? said it. Right. We'll give them your address. Thank you. Yeah, I'll give them Michelle's phone number. But so you know what I'm saying? like, So this is the problem again with, with even asking the question, well, what does the Bible say? And I get that. For many people, that matters. But the problem is there isn't one answer to that question. What does the Bible say about blank? There's lots of answers. And so we, I'm not saying don't look and see, you know, check it out. Sure, look at it, study it. But at the end of the day, you're still going to have to make a decision for yourself about of these different scriptures that I'm looking at here, of these various opinions, I'm going to have to make a decision about which one of these verses I think uh, I'm going to take seriously. And which well, ones I'm going to say, well, that was for them or that a different time or whatever. Well, and if we focus back on premarital sex 
you know, as a topic. And then I think that applies to us today. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, cause my, my wife and I didn't have sex before we got married. Mm-hmm. And, but I'm not going to say that's a bad thing if you do that. It's right. not, it, it, what we need to remove from, from the equation is shame and guilt. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so if someone has sex or they don't have sex, right. it's not about shaming them. It's just about talking Absolutely. about the, conversation nuanced as jamal likes to nuance everything i like to traumatize that's another everything. t-shirt so <laughs> nuance, we can nuance and problematize everything and say <laughs> yeah. i don't know what's right for what's right for someone else what's not right like right. everything everything has consequences whether they're good or bad a lot of them are unforeseen if, if you you know if someone has premarital sex or sex as i would say like not marital i don't like i don't even like that term so like sex with someone who they're not committed with, just yeah. kind of casual. Sex. Casual, yeah. It's it's not it's not about good or bad. It's just about what are the consequences might be, and and if there are consequences with doing that, you have to deal with them. Right. That's it's, it. It's just a real life thing. Like I'm not saying do or don't do it, but you know if you if you get someone pregnant, deal you have to deal with that yeah. consequence. Right. Or if you, or get you get an, an STD, STI, or, you have yeah, to deal exactly. with that consequence. I yeah. mean, that's just what to- it is. totally. And so I think I think something that I feel passionate about. When it comes to just life, okay, I think that human beings. Mary Magdalene. Well, <laughs> don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> he doesn't need help. <laughs> now that you brought it up. Okay, no, but so, something something else I feel passionate about. Um, I really feel like, and I think was it something maybe in the live feed yesterday? Somebody was asking this question. It was Jared or somebody was asking? What is the difference between purity and holiness? These are two terms we hear a lot in the church. Okay. That's a good question. And I think that's, there's a valid, this is a valid question. Um, because human beings, I firmly believe that we are here for a reason. Like I believe that we're here on the planet on purpose. And one of the purposes that we're here, I really believe is to be like God. That's just my, that's, I feel that I feel passionate about that to be like God. And so what, how do you be, how do you, what does it mean to be like God? To be the image, you know, the, the Bible does say, I would say Genesis, Genesis says, because uh, the Bible isn't, isn't real. But Genesis says <laughs> that human beings were created in the image and likeness of God. I really do. That resonates with my spirit. So we're made in the image and likeness of God who is love. So I really believe that as we, it's really important to connect to our to our image of God. All of us bear the divine image. So if you can connect with that, which is, I believe, as you connect with that, you connect to this idea of holiness. So again, to bring Paul, so Paul, there was a situation in Corinth, in the, in the community of Corinth, that there were like, there was some casual sex going on, sleep, well, yeah. people sleeping with like family members and that, like, yeah, and, and also uh, prostitution, cool. people were sleeping prostitutes. So Paul yeah. says, hey, look, just, so he starts off by saying, hey, you guys are like holy. He calls them the holy ones. He starts off the book. People who are like doing this, again, totally not a fundamentalist perspective. He starts off saying, you guys are the holy ones. Just want to remind you that you are holy. And by the way, you are uniting Christ in this activity. So I, my personal belief is that we are the manifestation of Christ. We are, you and I, we are the manifestation of Christ. So you are literally, there's no shame in that, but you, as you bring, as you bring, so it's important that as you have sex, that you have sex with that in mind. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's great. No, I understand I totally that agree. you are, you are uniting divinity with the person you're having sex with because they are also divine. Right. If you keep that in mind, to me, that's the definition. Of, was it Nadia Boltz-Weber, who we had on this podcast? Yes. She, wrote, she has a book out there called Shameless, all right? Yeah. She talks about the difference between holiness and purity. Purity 
most of it's bunk. Okay, it's this idea of trying to get to this idea of being clean. Forget about it. Holiness is about connection, intimacy, and union. So if you will keep that in mind, that that is the aim of God, to love and to be in union. Is that have sex? Is that- well, I'm just, I, be- I really firmly believe that that solves a lot of problems about casual sex. Yeah, and I think this is exactly right, Jamal. And I think... Um, I know this is what the three of us care about. Like we're, we don't do this. If you don't know this, we don't do this podcast to podcast to tell people how to think or what to do. Right. Um, we want to give, share some ideas and, and, and get you to think. But at the end of the day, it's exactly what you're saying is, is to remind people, look, if you are someone who is a follower of Christ, you are someone who's the embodiment of Christ. Christ is, uh, is, you know, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you understand that and you, and you're connected to that idea, then it's probably, again, not to say that to say, therefore, these are the 10 things you should and shouldn't do, but to just, but just to do exactly what, what you just said, to just remind us of that, to have us live from this place of recognizing we are the incarnation of Christ in the world today and to take that very seriously. And if we take that seriously, that then that would guide the decisions that we make. Are we honoring people we're in relationships with or are we using them? For our own pleasure, right? Um, am I, so in other words, like to think about not just that relationship, but yes, that relationship, but every relationship that I'm in, right? How am I, how am I, um, embodying Christ? How am I the incarnation of Christ in the world today to people I'm, I'm surrounded by? So I'm not going to lie to them. I'm not going to mani- manipulate them. I'm not going to use them, uh, in any way, sexually or physically, otherwise, right? Uh, I'm not going to rip them off. So it, it has, a, it should, have a lot to do then with the way I decide, uh, as I'm connected to Christ, uh, how am I reflecting Christ in my life? Right. Yeah. So, and, and for me, and then to bring a personal element into it, like, so for me, okay, I've deconstructed. There was a time in my life where it was just like, if you're married, you have sex. If not, you don't, but you know, I don't, that's not where I'm at these days. Uh, I don't, don't live there. And so I'm, I'm engaged right now to be married. And so, you know, my fiance and, I, fiance and I, you know, when we began our relationship, just to use an example, like we've had three distinct seasons of our, uh, of our, of our relationship. One was we didn't have sex, consciously didn't have sex. I, I remember actually we were at a point in time in a relationship that was developing that she, uh, I mean, she, I was really impressed with her. She was like, hey, um, because it was getting, you know, we were having a f- the physical component of our relationship was opening up. And she said, hey, are you okay if this is all? Is that okay for you if this is it, if it doesn't go beyond this? And it's actually really refreshing to me because I was like, that's actually how I felt. I was like, yeah, actually, that is, that's actually how I feel, that we should not take it beyond this, you know, you know kind of an elementary level of physicality. Because you're a good Christian. Well, you know, <laughs> well, see, I wasn't sure. So we talked. I said, because so, I know she has a Christian background. And so I said, hey, how do you feel about like, do you, or do you personally want to wait until you're married or how does this work? You know? And she said, no, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm open, but I'm, I wouldn't, she, she didn't, she was like, I don't know. I just will. And I said, you know, I think we'll know. That was the condition was like, when it's time, when it's right, we will know. So then we eventually, as our relationship progressed, don't judge me guys. Okay. Don't judge me here. But as our relationship progressed, we actually consciously said, we came to the conclusion, I think it's time in our relationship that this is, this is now time for to open up the sexual part of our relationship. And you know what? I, I can you. honestly say this. I can good, honestly, good job, Ralph. 
I can honestly tell you this, that I actually felt the div- God's pleasure in it. No, is there a weird... Is there a weird that, I felt... If he doesn't do his job, you guys got to do it. Feel and free. I'm just telling you, we, I, and I don't want to speak for her, but for me, I felt like I actually, I feel, I feel very connected to my divine nature. Seriously. I feel like the Christ. So when I, as I'm operating, doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I'm just saying, listen, I feel this. I'm the body of Christ. I am literally the manifestation of Christ on the earth, just like you. So like, as I'm in this relationship, I felt personally like this is, I trust my spirit. I trust my heart. She did. It was beautiful. So that was the second phase of our relationship. Third phase of our relationship, which I kind of regret now, but <laughs> she got pregnant. Wow. The, thir- the third phase we're is we're, we're getting married in a few weeks, all right? <laughs> so we decided to, to shut down our sexual relationship mm-hmm. until we get married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, yeah, it's, and we felt like this is what we should do because we're trusting our spirit. Okay, there's no rule book. We're not reading this out of a book. There's no standard. This is just we're we're leaning, we're listening, feeling, and leaning yeah. in. And we happen yeah. to think that we have. You know, Paul would say, "I don't write this as a command from the sure, Lord, yeah. but I too have the Spirit of the Lord." Yes, of course. So what I, what I, I love that. about what I do like about what you're talking about, though, is that what you're describing is a conversation yeah. and a mutual discussion where you're each honoring one another's. How do you feel? What do you think? You know, right. and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's beautiful. Like that's, and I think that's the goal of what we're talking about, right? Like that, that you were saying, like sex isn't, it should not be, it is sacred. I think, I think sex is a sacred thing. I, I think, think it's so a beautiful too. thing. It's a divine yeah. thing. There is a, there is a divine thing going on there. And I think it isn't, therefore it's not something you should treat on the same level as renting a movie. Right. Right. Or, you know what I'm saying? It's not something like, yeah, so what do you know? What do you want to do? Yeah. No, it should be something you take very, very seriously because of that. And, um, and then again, the communication and stuff. I, real quick, I just want to say I have a friend who um, things change when you're a parent, by the way. Mm. And uh, and I am a parent. And um, and I was having a coffee with a friend of mine, and um, it just it was amazing because he was talking about he, he has a daughter, and um, and she was getting married, and they were intimate together before. They got married. I think I think she was a believer, and, and the, the husband of the guy she was marrying was not a believer. Not that that matters, but anyway, they, they but they they were intimate together, and then and then they got married. And um, and it, what I loved about his reaction to it, because I wasn't sure how he was going to react to it. Because he's a very conservative guy, and was really beautiful. I think again, things change when you're a parent. Uh, I'm not sure he would have said this, you know, maybe 10 years prior to this, but because it's his daughter, because he loves her, because she's old, you know, she's old enough now, she's mature, he he knows her as a person, uh, as an adult, and he's thinking through it, I think, with a lot more maturity. What he said was, it's like, you know what, Keith, it's kind of like this. You know, the, the way we think of it is you you meet someone, you you get married, you have sex, you have a child. But sometimes people meet um, have sex, have a child, get married. Sometime, you know, it's like, and, and you can rearrange some of those steps and orders. But he goes, you know what? At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, they love each other, they're married, they have a child. And, and I'm happy with that. That's beautiful, right? However, they, whatever order they went to on the connecting the dots to get there, I'm just glad they got there. And, I'm, and, I, and I love them and I love this family because of, you know, where they're at and who they are. Not because they did something out of order, you know, they didn't do it in the right steps, kind of a thing. Well, yeah, and I just don't think there is a, I mean, there's no, there's nothing wrong with the right order. Right. 
or, or, you know, doing things the quote unquote traditional way. I just think when we, when we're in the moment, when we're present with another person, like Jamal said, like it's a knowing that's different. That's different than like an intellectual knowing. Right. There's types of knowing that we mm, have. That's a good point. And, you know, we can know facts and data and things like that, but then there's a whole different kind of so. knowing of, and being open and vulnerable with the other person. I mean, taking the relationship seriously enough, no matter what, how it's labeled or what the, whether you've had some sort of grand wedding or whatever, whatever you do or sign some paperwork, it's about being present in the moment. And, and especially when we're in a long-term committed relationship or exploring those things, being vulnerable in that moment, it's not, this is where I think the church gets it wrong is that there's a formula right. that they say that yeah. you have to do it this way and this way. And then when you don't, it's all that shame and fear. And it's all mm-hmm. that, especially for women in the church, because there's more emphasis placed on, women's purity than there is men and we have our issues too in the church of being pure but i think it's just like it's like for women it's like that on steroids so yeah uh which i didn't realize growing up in the evangelical church because we had our own shit to deal with you didn't have you didn't you weren't able to think about other people's shit yeah and then when you look back you step back it's like oh my god that was they had a lot to deal with they had way more like i would i wouldn't want to be a woman in the evangelical church that's way too much baggage put on you yeah and you know what's interesting about marriage is that First of all, it's in every, it, it's not just a Christian thing. I mean, it's a, it's a human thing. So human beings have these in every culture, religion, doesn't matter what religion or culture, there's these celebratory events where we celebrate. So I, the way I look at it, you know, we're, I'm getting married in a few weeks and it's like love exists. And so there's a timeless quality of love. Like when you step into love, it feels like it's always been, it doesn't feel like, oh, it started. And then it. You know, it's like, no, we just discover something that always. So when you discover love with another person, it's like, oh, this, this is the state of being that exists. Now we enter into it. So to me, marry a marriage, a wedding is, is a recognition of a state of love that exists mm-hmm. that you've discovered together. But there's nothing magical about the guy who signs. No. You get a marriage license and you have a ceremony. There's nothing like magic, hocus pocus that makes something, but I think it's a recognition. There is something powerful about declaring and recognizing something that exists in one realm yeah. and now bringing it into this realm. Yeah. Can I say something about that? Uh, because again, I, I, I like Jamal, license entertained, and I've done, I've performed weddings and stuff before. And um, here's the thing I figured out about this whole, especially the legal aspect of the, of the wedding and, the, and that, that document that has to be there, you know, you have to sign, the pastor has to sign at the end of the ceremony. There's this legal process. Oh, everybody, you know, after the wedding's over, we all get in this room together and the, and the you know, the bride and the groom and then signs it and the, the pastor who officiated has to sign it. And, um, here's the thing that I, it just, it just dawned on me because I had done, I had done one for, I hadn't done one in, for years and I did one for a friend and they got married up in Seattle. So I was licensed and ordained, um, by the, by the sure. Southern Baptist Church in Texas. I was living in California. They were getting married in Seattle, Washington. I'm like, and I've got this piece of paper that says I'm licensed and ordained. And like, I don't even know, is it good? I mean, first of all, is it still good? I'm not even a Baptist anymore. So I'm not even sure they even, and that church has been bulldozed. It doesn't exist anymore. The pastor who signed it died of cancer like 12 years ago. I'm like, no one exists. I could have made this thing up. Like those names aren't real people and that the church building is gone and I'm not a Baptist anymore. I don't live in Texas. So no kidding. I called Dallas, Texas, the Southern Baptist Convention. I chased down, like, I explained what's going on. I finally get a guy who answers the phone. What's going on? So I tell him the whole story and I'm like, am I licensed and ordained anymore? I don't even know. Can I even do this wedding in Seattle? Is it good? In, is it only good in Texas? Maybe it's not good in different states. And he goes, all he asked me was, 
Oh, well, I don't know. Are you still a follower of Jesus? I go, yeah. He goes, okay, you're good. Well, no, here's the other thing that I realized. When And, 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 and listen, some people here are going to get getting married soon. I'm going to tell you a little secret, by the way. When you get that official document from the state, and the and you have go through the whole thing, and then the pastor signs that document, you might think that there's some clerk somewhere that when you turn that in with your $50 or whatever it is fee, <laughs> that there's someone with a database going, hmm, pastor, Keith Giles, let me see, Keith Giles, yeah, oh, yeah, Southern Baptist Convention, Texas, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, good, rubber stamp. No, there's no database of pastors anywhere. I could write my name, Donald H. Duck. No one cares about that piece. Of, it doesn't matter. It, and then I realized anybody could have stood up there and read something and done, pronounced a man and wife, blah, 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 and signed some, you know, goofy name on a piece of paper. It doesn't matter, even to the state. It doesn't matter. You know what matters? Did you fill it out? Did you pay your 50 bucks? You know, That's it. That's you know all they care about. Okay, I do. I do life coaching. Okay, so in my life coaching work, I really believe in the power of intention to create reality. So when we state intention, <laughs> oh, there you go, amen. So when you <laughs> declare intention, it creates something in the physical realm. So you're taking an idea, a belief, something immaterial from a from an immaterial realm. I believe this is what when when Jesus talked about, uh, "Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven." I really believe this is what he's talking about. You take from this realm of the heavenly realm, a concept birthed from love, the source of love. You get an idea and then you bring it into this realm through intention. You have an intention, you create it, you bring it into this realm. I actually believe that that's what marriage is. That's what makes it powerful. You're tapping into this realm, into the state of love. Then you are then declaring it out here. A state of love exists between myself and this person. And then we declare it, and therefore it brings that realm into this realm, and it is it is a holy thing. But I don't mean that in the same way it's often meant. But it's a it's a thing of power, and it's something. But it's and it's also we recognize it that it it originates in a different realm, and it brings it into this realm, and we recognize it here in this realm as being special. And I think that's the that's the idea. It's the power of intention. Not to give you any ammunition for that crazy idea in theory, but. There's also a verse where Jesus says that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you uh, loose on earth will be loose in heaven. The principle of that. So that verse, if, you, if you're looking for a Bible verse to support that really crazy idea, that might be one you want to reference. Yeah, but I think that's true in like quantum theory even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like our, our, our uh, observations. Yes, oh no, that's exactly right. Yeah, because mm-hmm. how we observe like photons and electrons changes sure. the outcome. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Totally. Pretty crazy. Is that in the Bible? It is pretty crazy. Yes. Quantum yes. theory is in the Bible. Jesus taught it. In, All the time. Yeah. In one of the <laughs> gospels. It's one of the apocryphal books, I think. One yes. of the po- yes. Well, and it's also, I think, what Mike was saying. And when he, when we were having a conversation with Mike about, like, you know, all of these, like, can quantum theory, can Buddhist teaching, all these things, can we find that even in the Bible? Like, it's one conversation. It's not a, it's not a, Christian conversation, a Buddhist conversation, a scientific conversation. It's just reality. Right. And that's the problem. And again, going back to the thing about this is the problem with there being a Bible because we act like, well, the Bible is it. And if it's not in the Bible, then, well, we, we shouldn't think about it. And the thing is, if we didn't have a thing called a Bible, um, then what we, because again, previous to this, for 400 years, what Christians did was they had all kinds of writings from people that said, you know what, I love Jesus. I, I've had an experience with Christ, and here's my experience of Christ. And they and they are sharing it, and people are reading it, and they don't believe everything that they read. Neither do we. 
And they would, some people would go, you know, I really like this. And we would, no, I really like that. And then they would have these conversations and dialogue. And, and different church fathers had their own lists of what they thought, well, for me, you know, for, for our community, you know, we, we follow, we think, uh, you know, the Gospel of John, Matthew, and Mark, and, um, you know, a couple of these letters of Paul. And, but we don't like Hebrews, and we don't like James, and we don't like Revelation, right? And, and everybody had their own sort of thing. And that was okay. And the fascinating thing about it is the, uh, the, the verse in 2 Timothy that they use all the time that says all scripture is God breathed and profitable, blah, blah, blah. So first of all, that word there isn't the word for scripture. That word is the, is the word graphis, which is the most common word. It just means all writings. And actually, a, a one way, I think even a, a, probably a better way to interpret that scripture, that verse, is to say all God-breathed writings are profitable Whoa. for instruction. The, which the canon means, continues. Yes, guys. which means the canon continues. <laughs> which means which, anything that you would read that could be inspired by or the listen Spirit to is profitable and good and it will help you in your life. And, the, and then the key then is for you to use your own personal discernment to determine is this something that God is speaking to me right now that and you would know that. Yeah. Right. And like it's like what, See, if you read what, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, if it speaks to your heart, <laughs> oh, it's inspired. Boy. It's inspired. Can you play us off? <laughs> but it time. probably won't. That's time. He's talking about Mary Magdalene. It it's time. To, it's time yes. to play him off. <laughs> but we have been an hour, so I'm not joking around. So we'll end with Mary Magdalene. You got, you got it. Man. You, you lucky bastard. Right. But anyway, thank you guys. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being here yes, uh, for the you. historic event. Thank you.